What a great day to be in the Lord's house. Amen. I want y'all to just say a prayer for me as we sing. This is uh, this song is so totally out of my repertoire. Amen. Um, but I heard the song and now I thought, what a message is in it. Uh, something we all should be doing anyway. But just a little general reminder this morning um, of what God has for us. Amen. So y'all, y'all pray for me.
Praise the Lord. Let's take our Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Last week, uh, I spoke on unity, the pastor's dream out of Psalm 133, and that was literally the, the first of three sermons in this series, the series entitled Reasonable Church Membership. This week I want to speak on body position, the member's place, and next week I want to speak on calling, the member's responsibility. When I think about this idea of reasonable church membership, I'm uh, focused on uh, Romans chapter 12, to be honest with you. Or to be transparent with you, I'm always honest with you. Um, be counterproductive if I wasn't honest. Does everybody know that? Um, Romans chapter 12, something's very common. I, I know that uh, you all are probably very familiar with it. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. What's the last phrase? which is your reasonable service. We, we often, uh, we, we love to take a, a little ice cream scoop and scoop out Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2 and, and preach a big charge on, uh, uh, on Christian living. And, and that's all well and good. I've done that. You, it wouldn't be hard to find it. <laughs> it's out there. Uh, I want to tell you though, in case you haven't read past chapter 12 verse 2, the remainder of the chapter, the Apostle Paul is primarily focused on the body of Christ, the church. That's why he makes that statement, your reasonable service. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, uh, there, the therefore there is concerning the first 11 chapters of Romans wherein he lays out the fact that everybody is in need of salvation and Christ has provided it. And in Romans chapter 12, he said, because of those things, I'm asking you to live for God, live for Christ as a living sacrifice. And then the remainder of chapter 12, he's talking about your body position, how you fit into the body of Christ. That, that clause, that phrase, uh, by the way, this is all free, so get, get as much of this part of the sermon as you can because none of it is planned in the outline. Uh, that, that phrase which is your reasonable service. You, you may read it in your scripture to say, which is your spiritual service. Or you may read it to say, which is your uh, uh, spiritual service of worship. The, 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 the point is the word reasonable. It is uh, the Greek word uh, logikos or logikos uh, is the, would be the transliterated uh, idea and, and primarily that word has the idea of really what we would consider logical or reasonable or sensible or rational. And this is what that would say to us based upon the work of Christ, the, the gift of salvation, it would seem to be reasonable, logical, sensible to offer your body as a living sacrifice because he offered his as a Dying the sacrifice. Uh, it would seem to be 
reasonable or sensible. Uh, you might would prefer this. Based upon the mercies of God, the mercy he has shown in offering his only begotten son as your substitute, you should live your life in such a way that it resembles a living sacrifice unto God. This is only reasonable. It's only logical. It makes sense. That would be one way to read that. You could read it this way, by, by the way. There's a third that I thought uh, over this week. Well, since God by His mercy, has provided you with a resurrected life by the substitutionary death of His Son. You should live as a sacrifice unto Him, which is performed in and through your spiritual service. I would, I would be comfortable with any one of those three statements. Uh, that's, that's what Romans chapter 12 is talking about. And, and so from that idea, I began to think about what is reasonable church membership. And uh, last week we discussed unity. Well, interestingly enough, if you look through Romans chapter 12, uh, he mentions unity in verse 16. In fact, there's a very, you could preach the sermon I'm going to preach today out of Romans chapter 12 verse 16. There would be some different, uh, some different exposition, but the end result would be the idea of the, the individual attitude of the members, how they see themselves, how they treat others, how we deal with one another, how we interact with one another. I mean, it's all right there. And so today I want to consider body position, but I want to do it out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's stand together. We're going to read... Uh, verses 12 through 27 in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Beginning in verse 12 of chapter 12, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all of the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so, is also, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, well, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God hath set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now they are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of thee, of you. Nay, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given 
more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all of the members rejoice with it. Now, ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. I want to speak to you this morning about this idea of body position, uh, the member's place. Would you pray with me? Sincerely, would you pray with me? Ask the Lord to illuminate for you a truth. One thing, something that you can walk out of here in obedience to. He'll do that. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you again for this opportunity, this wonderful moment to come together, to gather around the Word of God, to, to look therein and to consider the truths in it, and Father, more importantly, to consider how they apply unto us. Lord, I pray that you'd speak this morning through your blessed Holy Spirit. I pray that he would have liberty to move among us, to teach us, to guide us, to illuminate for us this scripture. Lord, I pray for decisiveness today. I pray that we would hear, see it, believe it. And determine within our hearts to obey it. Father, I pray you'd do a special work because I know that you and you alone are able. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I'm, a, I'm very confident that you're familiar with the term or the terminology uh, of the body, as is relative to the church. Uh, the body of Christ, the church body, uh, the church as the bride of Christ, again, that suggests that we are a body. We are indeed the body of the bride. Uh, Christ as the head of the body, and so again, there's the suggestion that we are the, the body. Uh, it's, it's, it's rife throughout the scriptures. It is uh, indeed... Uh, it is a metaphor, it's used profusely throughout the scriptures in order or in an attempt to describe what the church really is. And, and this is it, by the way, we won't spend a lot of time there. The church is a living organism. The church is not an organization. The church is not an organization, it's not a hierarchy, it is an organism. It is a living thing. And, and so uh, again and again, Paul uses this idea of body in order to teach that concept to us that we would understand it is alive and I am a part of a living organism. Um, the, in fact, what we, would, we would say, well, what is the organism of the church? And we have a, a, a very secure answer for that. The church exists of every born-again believer from Pentecost to the rapture, and that is inclusive of us. So if, if, if a person was born again or is today born again, they are indeed a part of, a member of the body of the church. Now, uh, 
we can go a long way talking about how that looks, but it's only important to understand that that is what the body is. So what that means to you specifically, and look, I, I believe within all of, with all of my heart, I believe that people do not comprehend this because with all of my heart, I believe that people want to do well and especially born again people, I think they want to do well. And a cursory look at church life in America today would show you many that are not doing well. So I would automatically lean towards they don't know or else they would do well. And so uh, call me an optimist. So what is then what does that say to you if the church is a body and the body consists of all of the born again believers from Pentecost to the rapture then what is the church or what does that mean to you well it means that if you're born again you're a part of that church you're a part of that living organism you are a part of that body of believers several years ago probably close to 20 years ago now have you all seen that meme where it says when I say 20 years ago, I'm referring to the 80s. <laughs> That's kind of how it feels to me now when I think about things I've learned in the last 20 years. It seems like it was yesterday, but it was probably about 20 years ago. I was, I was uh, uh, serving at a church. I, I was uh, freshly committed to the Lord, and we were serving in, in Sunday school. And this missionary came through. He's a common, well-known missionary, Austin Gardner, and a lot of people here recognize that name. And... If you're a preacher of any sort and you ever cross paths with him, you know him because he made you feel like an ant, uh, like you were doing the wrong thing if you weren't doing the thing that he was doing. And uh, he came to teach Sunday school that morning, and he took the, the feeding of the 5,000, and he presented this brilliant case for every believer desiring to be a part of something bigger than themselves. And, it, of course, his case was for missions. He was a recruiting machine and I can remember being so challenged by that idea and Carla and I both and and this was it was either before I surrendered to preach or right after it was very early in my walk with the Lord and I can remember the conversations that we had literally guilt-ridden that we were not actively pursuing to be a part of something bigger than ourselves can can I help you right here just for a minute because it took me 20 years to, to figure this out. If you're born again, you are currently a part of something that's much bigger than yourself. You don't need to go and look for something to be a part of that's bigger than yourself. If you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you are currently a part of something that is bigger than yourself. And what you need to be doing is determining how you can benefit that thing that you are already a part of. So the Apostle Paul uses this terminology. And I want you to hear this statement and then we'll get directly to the passage. In several passages, Paul speaks of the body in his letter to the Romans he does so in his letter to the Corinthians. He does so in his letter to the Ephesians. And he does so in his letter to the Colossians. That's on a cursory thought. I didn't go look at it. I just know for a fact those four or five places he does it. So it must be. It must be important. And in this particular passage, in my opinion, he carries the metaphor to 
what I would say is a spectacular exhibit concerning the body because I believe it paints a very clear picture for us. The first thing I want you to notice is in verses 12 through 14, the Apostle Paul says uh, there, we've already read it, but he says, the body, as the body is one and hath many members, so is Christ. And then he says, we're baptized into the body, uh, we're drink of the same spirit, uh, one body, uh, one member, uh, many, many members, one body. And then in verse 27, he says, now ye are the body of Christ. He's talking to the church at Corinth. So that gives us some context. And what we recognize is that the body owns a holy designation. The body, the church, owns a holy designation. We have been set aside for a purpose by the Lord. We are intended to be something more than a band of misfits or a group of ne'er-do-wells or, or these various hobby-associated people that gather together. We have a holy designation. We are the body of Christ. In these verses, Paul would make it clear that the church is one body and that the one body is Christ. And and uh, so we would see that any of us who are born again, we have been indwelt with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes up residence in us. We are then immersed. We are baptized. We are placed. We are uh, sunk into the body of Christ. We are put there. And Paul would say very clearly here, he talks about Jews and Gentiles, uh, bond and free. And, and so this is what that says to us. Nationality doesn't matter. Privilege or lack thereof doesn't matter. Our background doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is that we are filled with the Spirit of God, which is the case for every born-again believer. So the initial entry into the church, if somebody were to say, I like the idea of being a part of something bigger than myself, I'm not currently a member of it, how do I become a member of the the body of Christ. Well, I have good news for you. It's free to you. It's very costly to the Lord. The, the initial membership into the church is stress-free. It's worry-free. It's not a chore. It is not a work. It is a grace benefit provided by the Spirit of God so that you know if you're born again, you are a member of the body of Christ. Amen. We understand this contextually because we know that the letter to the Corinthians are written, is written, the two of them are written to the church at Corinth. So in verse 27 when he says, ye are the body of Christ, he's talking to the church. So, so it places it firmly in us. The fact of it being the body, the fundamental truth of us being the body, that's not a mystery because it's plainly stated. The function of it, the spiritual understanding of it may be a mystery, but this is what we're told to do with other truths that we believe by faith. It is, we are told, we should reckon it to be so and live in the light of it. So why did, why did I say that just then? I'm telling you right now. You don't need to understand how you got into the body of Christ. You, you need to know that your, your birth brought you in, but you don't need to understand the process. You just need to reckon it to be so and live in the light of it. If, if I were to 
I mean, there's a number of things in this life that if we waited until we comprehended every aspect of it, we would miss the opportunity to participate in it. And so you are a part of the church, as is relative to the church, that, that means the individual Christian must not only comprehend that he or she is a member of the body, that is a functioning, necessary part of the body, but they also then must conduct themselves in that manner. So if, if in my Christian walk, I never perform an, an active, viable role in the church. If, if and, and a friend said this to me the other day, and I thought it was really wise when he said it. If in my life, my goal is to join a church, that's it. My goal is not to be Christ-like. My goal is not to grow in grace and knowledge. My goal is, is not to become more like unto Christ or more godly or more righteous or more holy. My goal is simply as if I were to say, I'm going to get married, I'm going to buy a house, I'm going to get a career, and I'm going to join a church. That's what we have a lot of today. That's hard to hear. But that's what we have a lot of. If, you, if in your Christian walk you have not become an integral, active part of a local assembly of believers, you're not fulfilling your position in the body of Christ. I don't even know what the position is. But it's not being fulfilled. Well, notice in a moment that even if or when the believer ignores the responsibility or half-heartedly attends to the responsibility, the remainder of the body is going to suffer the consequences of that in action. But it in no way relieves the believer of the responsibility. The need remains in the body, and, and we'll discuss that more in a moment, but I would ask you right now, I, want to, I just want to establish some baseline comprehension here. So, as I was studying this, my, my thought was here, okay, we're talking to born-again believers, so, so let me just ask you a question. I want you to take a moment and evaluate yourself. Would you consider yourself to be a born-again believer? The, the way that question would come to you very simply is, are you saved? Would you consider yourself to be a born-again Christian and dwelt by the Holy Spirit of God? So I want you to consider that just for a moment. Just think about it to yourself. I don't need you to raise your hand. And then if, if you do, if, if you say, yes, I've thought about it. There was a time, there was a moment, there was an exchange, there was an interaction. There is, there is something I'm basing uh, upon uh, an, an, a thing that happened in my life. I'm basing that. And that was when my heart changed. That's when the Lord indwelt me. I know that I am saved. I am born again. So if, if you could say that, then do, I want you to hear me right here. Do you realize you occupy a part of the body already? You are a member of the body of Christ. Whether you have an active membership in a church or not is irrelevant. If you are born again, you 
or an, uh, 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 an abiding member of the body of Christ. So we, we've established that very simple thing. Then, then I would ask you to consider this as we move forward. Do you believe that you're functioning within the body? Do you believe that you're functioning within the living organism of the church? There's, there's only two individuals that know the absolute truth to that, but there's many that have suspicions. I'm just telling you. Uh, we keep moving. The body offers, so the body owns a holy designation. We are an organism. We are the body of Christ. The body offers, uh, according to these verses, a habitat for diversity. Look at verses 15 through 20 again. He talks about the foot. He talks about the hand. He talks about the ear. He talks about the eye. He talks about uh, the, the, the nose smelling. You see that? There's diversity. The, the hand is not the foot, and the eye is not the ear. And so we, we begin to see some of the human element in the membership. So someone might say, okay, I get it, I'm born again, I occupy a place in the body, that is by birth, but what if I become self-conscious about my, conscious about my given position in the body? What if I decide I'm, not, I'm unhappy with my particular membership? What if I decide that I don't care for my position? Or if I decide that I no longer want to participate? Can I just refuse? Can I just withdraw? Can I just determine that I'm no longer a part of the body? Well, interestingly enough, according to what the Apostle Paul says here, the short answer to that question is no. There's some comfort in that. I'll explain that in a moment. But the short answer is no. Paul says just because a member determines to no longer be a part of the body, it's still attached to the body. It's still there. It's still part of the body. So when you think about that in a physical sense, your hand in a healthy body, your hand has no authority over itself. Your hand can only do... What, in a healthy situation, what your brain and your nerves and your muscles and your bones and your joints allow it to do. And it's all it'll do. It's, it has no authority over itself. It can't even, praise the Lord for this, by the way, it can't even decide it doesn't like the rest of your body and detach itself and leave. That would be difficult, wouldn't it? <laughs> we could come back. No? Uh, really, please. So it can't do that. It it, is, it has no authority over itself. The eyes have no authority over themselves. And, and you could go through every part of the body. That, that's encouraging, by the way, in light of eternal security. Right? That's, that's where the encouragement should be. Praise the Lord. Even if I lose my mind, I cannot detach myself from the body of Christ. I'm attached. I'm in. I'm a member of. But... It's, it's also not, it's, it's encouraging from that, but it could also, it could be kind of grotesque if you think about how that would look in a physical situation, right? And uh, we, would, we would see that as, as sometimes somebody gets injured, right? And, and so they either lose a part or the part don't work anymore. 
or there, there's, there is a medical problem, or, you know, something occurs, but it's never an ideal situation. We, we just, at the men's conference last week, yeah, last Friday, uh, there was one of the speakers there that was, he's a pretty encouraging guy, his name is Daniel Ritchie, if you want to look him up, but he was born without arms. And, uh, uh, I mean, he, he looked like, he, I mean, he was born without arms. He looked natural without arms. It wasn't like a deformity. They just weren't there. Uh, he come out uh, carrying his Bible under his neck. He laid his Bible down on the podium. He gave a, a 15 or 20-minute introduction, during which time I never looked down. Uh, but unbeknownst to me, he was barefooted. And when the time came, he pulled his right foot up like it was an arm and opened his Bible and turned to the page. Resilience. Made you feel like a quitter. I mean, you know, when you looked at him, you're like, I'm a worm. I can't do anything, right? But, and he talked about the, the things that he could do and, and the resiliency uh, that, that, that he had been bred with to, to just be a, a survivor, so to speak. But I can assure you, he was very clear, by the way, that he had no problems with God for being born that way. He was a believer in the sovereign hand of God. But I, I can assure you that if God came down to him and said, Hey, buddy, you've done a good job for the last 35 years. Would you like your arms? He would say, Yes, please. That's right. right? Because it's not ideal. Far from it. That's what we have in a, in a lot of church situations we have situations that are not ideal. They're far from it because the members of the body are not functioning. They've either uh, tried to remove themselves or there is something failed in them and they are not functioning. I think, I think though, the, the purpose of this sermon, more interesting, the value of this passage is the idea of diverse abilities and functions. And that's really where I want to go. I want this to be positive. We, we would... If, I, I, I don't have the words, I, I, wish, I, I wish that I could just get the words, the, the intelligent quotient to explain the things the way God has shown them to me. But, but if, you, if you could lay out body parts in front of you, I'm not being gross, you, you would look at a hand and you would look at a foot and you'd think there's something wrong with one of them because they're different from each other, right? If you didn't know that God made the hand to hold things and to articulate and the foot to support, you would think something's wrong with one of them. Yeah. They're not normal. Well, they are normal. They're diverse. And when you look at the body of Christ, the church, you could take two individuals and stand them up next to each other and you could say something's wrong with one of them. But they're not. They're diverse. They're built for a different operation. That, that's what I see when I talk about, when he talks about the eye and the hand. Uh, can you imagine if the, if the eye were to look at the hand and determined that the hand was no good because it could not refract light. Because it can't. 
You hold your hand up all you want. You're not going to see out of it. It's not going to happen. If you do, let me know. I'm moving to a different state. Uh, <laughs> can you imagine being on a on a a high platform? Now you guys are probably not scared of heights, and I'm terrified of heights. Inside secret. Uh, so, can you imagine being on a platform and somebody tying your hands? And then beginning to wiggle the platform and their encouragement is, hey, use your eyes and hold on tight. <laughs> that wouldn't work. And, and so the diversity is necessary. It, it helps us accomplish the things that God is asking us to do. The diverse abilities and, fu and functions are needed. What that tells us is that there is room in the body for individuality. But too much of a good thing is bad. And so individualism is like a cancer. Because it's only looking out for itself. Individuality is like a blessing. Because it's diversity. And we need people to, to exercise those gifts and abilities, understanding that those, those personalities and those preferences and those gifts and those abilities were given for corporate blessings, for corporate edifications, for corporate encouragements. They were given to the glory of God rather than being for the glory of the flesh or for the exaltation of man or the expression of self-will. And we have to contend with that part of our nature because we like to express ourselves. And nobody's going to convince me that they don't like to express themselves. you got the same negative flesh that I have. Your form of self-expression may be to live on an island and somebody else's may be to stand in a pulpit but they're both self-expression if they're only serving self. And so we would see this, this picture of the body offering a, a habitat for diversity. I, I want to say this again. You have to fight against that part of your nature that seeks self above others that seeks self above body. And, and it's an ongoing fight. And it's an exasperating fight. But you have to fight against it because nature is going to work against you. And, and then I also want you to hear me one more time. I believe that, that you can neglect your body position. I, I don't believe that. I know that to be a fact. You can neglect your body position. People do it all the time. But this is what's going to be left. There's going to be a void left. There's going to be a want. There's going to be a need in the body for whatever that gift and ability God designed to be filled. And, and this is what I know. It's going to be there because we are told in Ephesians 2.10 that you're not saved unto good works, but, uh, but for good works that are preordained for you. They've got your name on them. There's a position in the body that has your name on it. And we have to fulfill that. Again... If you would take an honest look right now, just, just for a moment, look at yourself. Have you considered what your diverse gift is? And look, we're not talking about, we're not talking about he sent some evangelists and preachers and teachers. 
we're, we're at a much more root level than that. Yeah. Okay, see, uh, what, they, what people would say about me, you heard Tom Miles say it. What is it, Brother Derek? What did he say about me? Organized. Is that what he said? That's what they say about me. You know what they said about me when I was younger? Obsessive compulsive. Anal retentive. Right? But in the body, it's a diverse gift. Organization. And, and it served me in my career as well, but I'm telling you, have you thought about what is your diverse gift? What has God enabled you to do? What has God built you to accomplish? And then whatever you, he has built you to accomplish, you're likely expressing it in your home and in your career. The question is, are you expressing it in the body of Christ? Because that's what Paul's getting at here. There, there are, everybody has a gift and ability, and, and I believe they grow, by the way. The more you give them to the Lord, the, the more they grow. But if you would think about that, what is your gift and ability? How is it being used in the body of Christ? And then this is a qualifier. When you exercise your diversity, is it to the glory of God and for the good of the body? Or is it just you being you because that's who you are and everybody else needs to get used to it? Because there's, there's a line right there. The body is a habitat for diversity, but it is not. A home for division. There's also this idea that the body offers uh, the body offers a, a harmony of dependence. Look at your next couple of verses there, verses 20 through 24. Therein he says, The eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet. And then he talks about the, the feeble members and he talks about the uncomely members and the less honorable members. The phrase, the important phrase there's in verse 24 that, that God hath tempered together. Tempered the body together. He has combined the right ingredients. You might read uh, there the, the tempered. The, the Greek, Greek literally means to mix together. You might read the word composed you might read mingled, harmonized, combined. I like the tempered word. Tempered means to dilute or qualify, qualify or soften by the addition and the influence of something else. And so when God mixes all of these diversities together in the body, they become something else. And in fact, I would say they become a, a team assembled for victory there tempered together the the idea of uh, is that we need one another we need the various differing personalities and abilities to fill the need in the community which god has placed the church in we're here for a purpose to accomplish a a, a goal he, he he talks about those less honorable parts and the uncomely parts I, I'm not, I'm not brilliant in this area, but uh, this is how I understand that, and I've, I've heard it stated this way before. Uh, there's a reason why your internal organs are inside. Right? 
Because they're gross, right? And they're nasty. Can you, liver, ooh, liver is bushy. You'll die without a liver. You have to have a liver. Kidneys, ooh, you got to have kidneys. Well, they're not very tough. Well, no, they're not. That's why God puts them inside. But they're very resilient and quite efficient at the job he designed them to do. Right? It, it goes to show those diversities that we need each other and, and we're designed by God to fulfill a specific role and that role cannot be effectively or efficiently filled by anyone else. Until we accept that personal responsibility, struggles are going to continue. And we, this is across the board. It's not just here at home. We don't have that many struggles here. But I have a lot of things that we could do if we had people stepping up to fulfill their gifts and abilities within the body. All of the aspects of the physical body have a metaphorical application to the church body. All of them. When you talk about health, the health of the body matters. When you talk about uh, 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 exercise, when you talk about diet, I'm not a good picture of any of those things, by the way, but we're talking about the body of Christ. We're not talking about me, so stay focused. You talk about hydration. I mean, the, the body of Christ needs the water of the word. I mean, we could carry that metaphor to the nth degree, showing how similar it is. I thought about this the other day, and You ever known anybody get something amputated? I mean, we've had some in the church. You know there's a thing that's called phantom pain? And it's a real thing. It's, it's where that leg that's not there anymore still aches. And you can't do anything about it. You can't put anything. It's not there. Can I tell you the body of Christ aches just like that? There's phantom pain in the body of Christ. If we only had X, Y, and Z. If we could just find somebody that would A, B, C. There's phantom pain. Lastly, look at verses 25 and 26. The body offers a hedge of dedication. Now, you're used to hearing that phrase, hedge, hedge of protection. But I want you to know that there is a hedge of dedication within the body when all the members are living the way that they should be living within the body. He says so there uh, uh, in verses 25 and 26 that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And when one suffers, everyone suffers with it. And when one is honored, everyone rejoices with it. That means that we come together and we are, we are uh, together. There's no division. There's nothing to separate us. There is only devotion and dedication unto one another as fit it as is fit in the Lord and in the body. Loving one another, caring for one another, suffering together, celebrating together. That's what the body of Christ, that's what the body does. And we are the body of Christ. One, every organ working together for the health of the whole. That's the need of the church. Let me ask you one final question and we'll, we'll stand together after this. Are you dependent, dependent and dedicated to the body? Or, because there, there's an opposite, are you completely comfortable outside of 
and away from the body. And if your answer would lean towards I'm comfortable outside of the body, how would you explain that comfort in the light of this passage? Would you stand with me this morning? There's a number of opportunities here as the altar is open and she prepares to play. You may be here this morning. You may be in a need of a relationship with Christ. The Bible says that if you will repent of your unbelief, repent and turn towards the Lord, believing in the heart and confessing with the mouth, you'll be saved. Believe the gospel and you'll be saved. Put your faith and trust in the finished work of the cross and you'll be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe that's you this morning. If you, if you have a need like that, I, I or one of my, my guys or ladies will spend time with you, walk you through that. Maybe this morning your need is to be plugged into the body. There are needs. I have people tell us all the time, we visited your church, loved it. It was great, but we went over here and joined because you guys didn't need us. That's my fault. Can I tell you, I need you. The church needs you. And you're designed to fill a place in the body. Maybe that's your commitment today. Maybe it's just a prayer. I don't know. The altar's open. Would you come this morning? Father, I pray you'd bless this time of invitation. In Jesus' name. Amen. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. Take thy cross and just for a moment. Thank you so much for being here this morning and thank you for enduring the sermon. I pray you meditate on these truths for the next few days. Uh, this evening we're starting at 5. Uh, it is for Vacation Bible School prep. There's no VBS tonight, is there? No VBS tonight. Okay. Okay. So that is the evening service. So we would love to have you here to help. Uh, but if you come tonight, you'll be involved in a prayer service and a work session. And so we'd love to have you, but that's what we're doing tonight. BBS starts tomorrow evening, runs through Thursday at 6 nightly. Uh, please be in prayer for that and, and for all the workers and the kids that attend. And uh, we hope to see you back this evening. Uh, Brother Tom, Ms. Kelly, if you guys will go towards the front door, I'll meet you there. And come by and speak to the missionaries.